So this is an off the cusp episode. Um, yeah, yesterday morning woke up and uh, was feeling like an absolute bag of uh, a bag of shit. Um, our two-year-old son had uh, had the flu two nights ago, so he had been waking up in the middle of the night puking, and that's a tough that's a tough thing to go through being a parent. And you know, the next day he woke up, I was picking him up from his mom's and he was chugging water and he started to, uh, started to puke. And then he, he was laughing after, and I don't, it was kind of funny. It was kind of like a mixed emotion. It was funny. And then it was also like a little bit scary and I, I'm going to come back to that story because there's something that I learned from him. Um, later that day, realized that, you know, both, both my, uh, both my ex and I were both had that flu, um, which turned out to be a uh, 24 hour flu. It sounds like it was a Norwalk virus. So it's the kind of flu where you're like, you need to muster up the fucking energy to be able to stand up. And there were times where I was like, standing up is literally too exhausting. And I'd get to the point where I'd be like crouched on the couch and then I'd be like, I need to make it to the kitchen, which is like 15 feet. And I'd like take 20 minutes to get to the kitchen and then I'd be on the floor again. And, you know, as terrible as an, of an experience as it was, there were certain moments that I thought about my son during those times. And we were trying to look after him at this time. And it's really challenging to look after a, after a two-year-old who's not sick because he had the 24-hour flu and then we had the 24-hour flu the day after. It's really hard to, uh, to feel good about parenting when you, you know, take 30 minutes to get to another room in a house. And he, uh, they are, you know, our son wanted to play and wanted to do stuff because he was feeling a lot better. But there was a time where I was at my house and, you know, I woke up, this is the day after he had the flu. I woke up and as soon as I was, as soon as I was waking up, I was still in bed. I noticed, I was like, wow, my stomach actually feels really strange. Like feels like I need to shit or feels like I need to puke. And I'm like, that's not, that's not a normal feeling at all. So I got up, I, you know, the night before I had scheduled in a workout, I was like, I'm going to wake up at 5am. I'm going to do this hard workout, um, part of training felt really committed. And I woke up and I was like that, this feels really off. This feels quite, yeah, this feels weird. So, um, and, and, I, and I'm really glad that I listened to my body. I checked in. So, you know, I went into, I uh, went into the workout space thought about working out. I just couldn't get myself to it. And that's really, really uncommon. And so I found myself kind of wandering around. It was like quarter after five in the morning. And I was like, just sort of wandering around the house. I was like, I can't really like, I feel so, yeah, I don't feel inclined to do any type of workout. So I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just do some yoga. And I threw on this 20 minute yin yoga practice and I started doing that and even that I was like I can't even I can't even do this I'm like this this feels too hard this feels like 
this feels like I don't want to do this. So I did like, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes of a yin yoga practice and yin yoga is very light yoga. So I was like, okay, well, at least I tried that. And then, yeah. So then I went to the washroom and I did have to puke. And while I was puking, I puked seven times. And I remember while I was puking, I thought of my son laughing after he was puking. And there was this like real, like present sense of being with the discomfort, maybe you call it pain, whatever, um, the discomfort of puking. And then also feeling some, like just some absolute presence with it and some like acceptance and some almost like some humor like my son did and I have to uh I sort of have to thank him for that because you know usually when I I don't know it's not often that I'm that I'm sick that I'm vomiting but like I can't I think it was three years before that was the last time I had the flu and it was a very similar flu out both ends so I think it is a Norwalk virus I believe it's called that but there was just, I, I, I'm so grateful that I learned that from him because it was just this like real acceptance of this is the discomfort. This is what your body's going through. And it was like no big deal. It was like, yeah, I'm puking and uh, yeah, my body needs to get rid of this. And um, yeah, this is what I'm experiencing. But it was like very much that it was like not so much, you know, complaining about how, how terrible I feel. And yeah, I'm just, I'm really grateful. I think that that was a, we can learn a lot from kids. And I now know from having one that, you know, we have those experiences so much more with our kids that we can learn from them. So I think before you have kids, and if that's an expression that you kind of buy into, it's like, yeah, um, we can learn a lot from kids. But I think when you have your own, or at least maybe the times where you spend a lot of time around kids, whether they are your own or whatever you babysit or you have family that with young kids I think that's really where it hits home it's like yeah like you know when we're around them frequently when we're you know when, when our lives are integrated frequently and we're doing these you know the mundane things the day-to-day -day stuff it's not so mundane when you when it's a two-year-old but that's the stuff that we can learn so I thought that that was so so tiny but so uh, impactful and then the other huge thing to that was feeling that depleted and going to bed last night at 8.30, choosing to go to bed at 8.30, and then waking up at 7, 7, 7.30 and feeling probably 90% better. Uh, anyone with the flu knows this feeling, but it, it had been long enough that I had, I was, it was a little bit, I was like, what, how, how do I feel so much better? Like that is, that is a bizarre, that's a bizarre feeling to go from feeling what I'd perceive as like, you know, five or 10% to like 90% in, in the matter of one sleep. It's feels so weird. It almost feels fake. Like you just, you just robbed something. Yeah, really, really interesting 
a huge change within a day yesterday, you know, all these things around being a coach came into my mind too. Um, you know, food, food was part of it. I'm like, you know, I'm sick. So I know that I need more protein. Uh, I'm going to try to get that. So I had some bone broth powder, this ginger bone broth powder from organic. It's really great. I've recommended it to a few clients. I had that and, uh, that was good for about half hour. And then I threw that up plus some, so I don't think I ingested any of that. Then from there, I had essentially completely lost my appetite. I was trying to eat, but I was just eating like some fruit. And then I ate like, uh, I had a popsicle, which I then threw up. I had barely any water. And like, this is where my inner coach was coming out. I was like, you know, you feel, you know, you know, you're feeling partly this way because you haven't drank any water today. And I was like battling that because it was like, I know I need the water. I know I don't perceivably have the energy to go get water. And then I also have this, this sort of, um, affinity to water in a way or not not an affinity like a uh like the feeling that you're like the opposite effect when you, you know, when you, basically like when you have water like you're gonna puke that's what it felt like I was like I, I know I need the water to feel better but I also know or feel like if I have water I'm gonna throw up so yeah safe to say there was some confusion throughout the day like you do when you have a flu tried to have water ended up having some Gatorade and then later that day, after watching like four hours of TV and like um, thinking about this while being with my son, being like, I'm not letting him, like, I'm not okay if he watches TV the whole day. I need to get outside with him, even if it's 10 minutes. So that took quite a while to muster that up, but we did go outside. Um, throughout that time, too, like the back ache and the like the rib ache from throwing up and just the achy feeling when you're sick. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to be playing with a kid and like try to pull it off. It looks really, it looks really obviously like you're not in, not in shape to do it, but we got outside. I did the best I could. We ended up playing outside for like 15 minutes. I definitely laid on the ground for part of that and uh, felt like that, that was the best I could do, which is probably hilarious to see that, but it's all about trying. And that's kind of my experience with this, with this virus, Bree and I both woke up today feeling completely fine, which is again, like shocking when it happens, you're like, okay, do I need to be like cautious of anything? Or am I just like good to go? Mind you, like what I'm doing the next day, this is the next day for me, woke up, slept an incredible amount, woke up feeling pretty great. The only thing I'm really feeling is like some aches. So like an achy low back and around my ribs and like feeling stiff. Right. And I just told myself, I'm like, I'm not going to just jump into training again. I'm going to, I think today I'll probably choose to go for a couple of walks and that will feel like enough movement. And uh, that's what I'm going to do today. So, you know, setting, setting realistic parameters up so that you're not like, you're not trying to kill it. Like you don't need to be absolutely crushing it all the time. And this is a concept that I've talked to with a close friend of mine, RJ. We talk about this. Um, this is a bigger concept, but what I'm getting at is like not having to always work 
super hard all the time. So in training, you know, whether you're whatever kind of competitor you are, I'm talking about like general, general athleticism or, you know, the general, the general, uh, the general athlete, the general kind of folk, um, general population that are just trying to like get more fit, want to do some training, uh, also have lots of other stuff going on in their lives, have lots of other engagements and, you know, don't maybe generally recover optimally or eat optimally or whatever. So that's, that's a pretty huge population. And I realize I'm being pretty vague there. I just don't want to paint this picture over, you know, some athletes that I know that, you know, I'm not necessarily involved in the training or whatever, but the idea of like going hard all the time, it's, it's dangerous and it's silly. We have this expression that goes something like, it's not like, it's not work harder. It's not work smarter. It's work more intentionally. It's be intentional. So with being intentional, the reason I like that expression is because number one, I thought about it. So as you'll hear in the podcast, episode with Tosh, we generally like to uh, skew expressions so that they suit our needs more. And this is exactly a, an example of that. I was like, you know, I don't necessarily like the idea of work harder. Um, work smarter sounds good, but I don't want it to be work smarter without the grunt work. Like I like the grit and the grunt. So work more intentionally sounds like it encompasses those things. So for me, it sounds like a great happy medium. So I'm going to go with that. So be more intentional in training. What I mean by that is because you're not going to always have to work 100% intensity or 100% effort, uh, what that doesn't mean is that you can't be intentional about something. So you can't have a maybe a goal or a, or a direction with training each day. The reason I like be, um, be intentional in terms of a uh, framework or a lens for training is that when we assume that we are not going to work 100% effort every day, it allows recovery to, be, to build into that because there is recovery for things, right? Strength training, you're going to need to recover differently from certain strength training than you will certain high intensity training, than you will certain aerobic work, than you will yoga, than you will um, like whatever it is, an injury. There's, there's different recovery rates with, with all of those things. And to ignore those is really silly, I think. Um, especially, again, I'm talking about general population. I'm not talking about freak athlete elite. This is general pop. This is, this is you and me. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably somewhere in the general population. It still mean you're really fit. You might be a little competitive, but you're not in, a, you're not in like the 1% of athletes. I'm not either. So this be more intentional, what it does is, is it, um, it gives leniency to the fact that recovery will have to be in there and that there can be a different focus other than just intensity. So for instance, a great intentionality or a great way to be intentional when the effort can't be 100%. So when, you know, if you just did a heavy strength training session, you're feeling really fatigued, it may not make sense to do, you know, the same type of training and, you know, then, then be down on yourself. If you can't lift as heavy, for instance, or can't lift the volume. Again, this has to be a little bit general because there's thousands of examples of how this could be different, but be intentional could be a great way to 
uh, be able to focus on something that you feel like is improving without, you know, feeling like you're failing because you can't go hundred percent like you did the day before, or maybe it's two days and then a day where it's lighter. So having, having an intentional uh, or having intentionality around things like technique or body awareness or muscle engagement or your breathing or your ability to be present or your ability not to be distracted or your ability to feel, I don't know, balanced. Uh, you can, we can kind of look at the uh, secondary elements of fitness to, to get some other ideas. Intensity seems to be the main one that people focus on. That's not a secondary component. It's not even an initial or a, or a primary component, but I feel like a lot of people get stuck in the, I need to go hard or it's not effective. And this is the reason why I'm kind of drilling this point home and trying to give you some to give you some sort of ways to modify this behavior. Cause I feel like it's a, it's a behavior way more than it is a training plan. Um, if it was about a training plan, we'd really just be looking at the RPEs because you could do the same type of workout with different RPEs rate of perceived exertion and have a completely different type of workout. Whereas if the intentionality is different, then that's kind of, that kind of lead, um, Basically, we want the intentionality to kind of all, always be at the forefront versus versus intensity. That's what I'm getting back to. Um, where was I going with that? I can't totally remember. Um, intensity is not, you know, not a principle of of a primary um, element of fitness. When oh, I was talking about the other possibilities of being intentional. They, they could be focusing on some of those secondary components of fitness, um, agility, balance, coordination, uh, speed, um, flexibility, I think is one, I think there's seven, I'm just going off the top of my head, but those are, those are absolutely other components that you could focus on. And it doesn't necessarily even mean changing the program. It could just mean okay, coordination, and I'm going to do the exact same, you know, workout that's planned for me, but I'm not feeling totally recovered. So how can I feel more coordinated for this workout? I'm going to just try to be more engaged in my body. I'm going to eliminate distraction, maybe, right? So maybe I'm not going to listen to music. Maybe I'm not going to uh, have the TV on if I have the TV on. Maybe I'm going to go barefoot. Maybe I'm going to in between sets, I'm going to think about how the movement felt, like all of these kind of things. And you can use some of them or you can use all of them. But this is just a different way to get you out of the single lane thinking of more intensity is better and less intensity is not as good. There's, there's lots of different examples and they kind of all sort of pull off of this idea a little bit. But um, back to the conversation that I had with my friend RJ, him and I had talked about, you know, being intentional is important, but um, he would say, if I get two, two really good, like, you know, high volume, high, high intensity workouts a week, that's good. And he was training for strongman at the time. And I'm going to have him on the podcast likely in the, in the following weeks. The reason that this is important is it, it shows that there's a, 
it shows that there's there's growth and that there's maturation with with training if you can be okay with you know letting your ego not be the um main intent to feed the ego make sure that your ego is not the main intent feeding the ego um i think that's a really good sign of maturity um, from personal experience, I mean, that, that is something for the first long time in training, I would, I would always try to go heavier, or I would try to do more, or I would try to do faster. It was like sort of a hyper competitive mindset. And it was kind of like a lot of the things were a grind. So for any, for anyone that's listening, that's just starting out, like, again, you don't, always have to go harder like that's not the only way to do something better is by doing it harder or by doing it more intensely intensity is kind of the word i use with training again you can use any of these any of these um you know variations of of being intentional sometimes the sometimes the intentionality is going to be to make it more intense depending on your training that certainly for me that is a time where once uh, usually it's once a week, I'll, I'll intentionally try to do something really intense. And I don't know, I'm sure there's some science behind that. For me, it's like, I like to remind myself that I can do hard shit like that. That's, that's just important for me to know. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about me. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm not doing this to post to show like, look, you know, I don't need the validation for that. It's, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's something in me that I need to remind myself approximately every week. It's not always every week, but I need frequent reminders that I can do hard shit. And I, it's probably a, if we kind of like extrapolate that a little bit, it's probably because I think, you know, society is pretty soft and I'm definitely a part of society. And by doing hard stuff, on your own it's mainly on my own um that i think it's just a good reminder that by doing some hard shit that you're uncomfortable doing that is going to have a larger impact on both yourself how you feel about yourself your confidence and how people perceive you in the world which i think is important to a degree it doesn't mean you, you know, you know, you take in everyone's opinion for face value, but I think to, you know, feel to, to be perceived as someone that's confident is, is it, is a worthwhile pursuit in life and to also exemplify that you're capable is also, I think a very important facet in life. So I think that that's why I do quote unquote difficult stuff on my own to remind myself. And I think that that sort of reverberates out of me from, you know, time to time. And I think that that is that underlying theme of like people in general are getting pretty soft and I don't want to be a soft person. I don't want to be someone that's like, you know, just complaining a lot. And I do complain quite a bit and I'm working on that. And I think, there's times where like, for instance, like that story I told you initially about throwing up and being like, kind of, you know, maybe not enjoying it, but being like, huh, it's kind of funny or like just noticing 
not trying to ignore or like get past the feelings that are uncomfortable, but just like sitting in them, right? There's so much to, um, there's so much to even emotion that's so uncomfortable, but part of the processing is just by being present with it that I've learned in the past couple of years and learning more and more. So it's like, it's not even that training has to be the, the way to do this. It can be in all sorts of things. I know in my men's group, there's lots of examples of people coming from kind of different walks of life that practice this, you know, this discomfort in different ways. And it's all, I don't know, I think it's all for the same reason, right? It's, it's kind of to remind ourselves and like to keep sort of practicing that, like, I can do this, I can, I can do this better. And uh, I'm capable. And it's important to be confident, I think. So I think that that's a, that's a huge yeah, I mean, we're not even talking about the same thing anymore. It's it's like, I think that's the beauty thing about training is that it's it's so it's almost so little to do with, you know, like what we're actually doing. Like tr training is great. Like you know, doing something in some type of program to, you know, to get more fit or to. I don't know, to get more muscle or to get less fat or to get more flexibility. Like that's, that's awesome. And, you know, as I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm like, it's, it's so, it's almost so not about that at all. Right. It's about the, I don't know, well, what, what is it about? This would be a great conversation to have with someone. So I'm kind of having it with myself, but it's like certainly about routine and consistency we know that uh, with discipline slash motivation, I have a lot of issue with those words um, at face value, but with discipline and motivation, it's, it's not about, you know, doing the stuff when it feels easy to do, right? Or when you're feeling really great. And uh, like, that's not discipline, right? It's discipline's doing it when you don't want to do it. That's, that's discipline. Um, same thing with motivation, right? People think that they lack motivation. And I think that there are some chemical changes with or chemical differences with certain people. I don't know exactly, but I think before we get into motivation, it's like, well, what do you believe you can do? And, it, and it's working on changing the self-belief that we have in ourselves. Because if we don't believe we can do anything, then just, you know, talking about not being motivated is, is really like flimsy. It's like, what are like, what are we even talking about? We're just talking, we're just saying we don't have this word. It's like, there's no, there's no real tangible change that we can make with that. So I think that's part of why, why I don't like the word motivation or how we use the word motivation is we put so much emphasis and like impact and power in it. And I think some people, um, I think conveniently sort of, categorize themselves as people that are not motivated it kind of becomes this like black or white like you identify with being motivated or you identify with not being motivated and it becomes this like crutch or this excuse that you can say like well i'm not you know i'm not i'm not someone that's generally motivated or you know i just have a hard time being motivated it's like i maybe and i don't know the answer to this but i think that it's just convenient if we classify ourselves as motivated or unmotivated i think that i mean this is a pretty big topic so i'm going to go for a little bit and then i'll switch i think you're probably doing i well let me talk about this for myself 
when I don't feel motivated, I'm good. Like I, I guess that's what I'm saying is I, I'm not necessarily going to identify with someone or, or I'm not going to identify to either be motivated or unmotivated. I don't know that it's necessarily like yes or no. So I feel pretty disciplined though, generally, like most days I'm pretty disciplined. Most days I train when I, when I intend to notice, I didn't say train when I want to, because that's not always the same. I, you know, I generally do studying on the days that I intend to, which is almost every single day. I have a list right here, right below where the camera is. There's a list of non-negotiables and it's four things that I'm, I want to do every single day, non-negotiable. And maybe this is something that would help you guys. If you're finding that, uh, you know, this topic of motivation is something that you think about. So for me, I wrote non-negotiables because, um, regardless of what happens, essentially, these are things that I want to be able to do. So, um, and no, no real timeline. This isn't something I check in on. I have different systems for stuff like this, but this is just like, I need to do this. And this is strictly like personal slash career. This isn't an extensive list of all the things I want to do in a day, but I, I wrote that I need to do morning goals. I need to do meditation. And for me, meditation means like five minutes. It could mean breath work. It could mean like a traditional me uh, meditation. It could mean yoga. It could mean um, a couple different things. It could mean a walk with like, you know, more presence. Try to keep it a little bit more broad because I know the feeling I'm trying to get from that. I'm not necessarily trying to do it just to check it off. Because if that was the case, I would write, you know, 40, 50 things on here, because then I would be trying to get the dopamine hit. And then I'd be like, fuck, boom, 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 30 things. Great. I feel good. So it's not necessarily, it's not a quantity thing. Okay. With this, I've never talked about this. I have different webinars and things like that on motivation and goal setting in a more strict sense. And there's some stuff that's uh, taken out of neuroscience. Um, that I think has been really helpful, but this is just my own kind of anecdotal experience with this sort of side goal list. So again, on this list, I have morning goals, which is me writing them down. That's very structured. That's a page of me writing down my goals. And if you were to flip through my notebook, the last like 70 entries are morning, night, morning, night, morning, night, morning, night, morning, night. And it's like almost identical. I even write them in the same order. I find that that's you know, just more helpful for keeping it flowing. The second thing is meditation, as I mentioned, and that can be in different forms, but I'm trying to get the feeling out of that. That's why it can change. I, I don't need it to be one thing or I'm a shit person or I failed or whatever. For me, it's like morning goals means now it just means before noon because the odd day it's been where things have happened and um, it, it just... I don't know. It, do, it doesn't need to be like perfect or it's not good. Right. That kind of all or nothing principle. It's not good for me. I don't, I don't keep it in my own life because I don't think it's very effective. So as soon as I notice that I'm like, well, what, what's the real goal here? I'm like, if I can look through a notebook in the past year and it's like, there's 720 pages filled out and I've done it like 
even if I've done it almost every single day, I'm like, that is unbelievable. That is unbelievably consistent. Most people don't last more than a week or two on something. So even to do it like that and have a little bit of grace and to be at, you know, 90%, 95% consistency, whatever it ends up being, you, like you will get to that goal. So like the outcome, the, you know, the outcome will occur. You don't, if you have to do something a hundred percent of the time in order for it to, to work or it doesn't work, it's, I don't know, there's, there's, there's gotta be some type of issue in that. Or maybe you're talking about like some type of fucking science or like biology or chemistry. Like I'm talking about training, talking about like personal development and, and training goal setting and stuff like that. So this isn't like a universal thing where you can use it and be like, no, here's an example. I'm, the, I'm sure there's examples, but in terms of, goal setting and you know training do you need to be a hundred percent consistent to get to where you want to be in the general fitness population i would 100 percent say that no you do not have to be 100 percent consistent you could probably be some people can be 60 percent consistent and still see great results and other people need to be a little bit more consistent and i think that that is a huge conversation around other variables like genes and like um routine and like um they're on medication or predispositions to certain things or age or when they started getting into it or whatever uh it becomes more complicated so i try not to just throw too many general uh generalities out there or i'll try to explain what i mean by them the third thing the third thing is night, nightly goals. So it's the exact same thing I write in the morning. It, it's not any different at all. It's just writing them down again. So I just make sure I write that down before bed. That's it. I usually do it like within the 30 minutes before bed. For me, that's fitting into that time. It's, it usually doesn't deviate from that. So I haven't had to uh, extend a, a boundary or extend a, any grace period. And then the fourth thing is uh, studying for 30 minutes. So I have a specific online course I'm doing right now on, um, on uh, uh, for my training business. So I do uh, 30 minutes every day. And what that might mean is I'm sitting down really focused. And there have been some days where I'm like, I'm doing the dishes and I have the audio on and I'm probably retaining some of it. And I'm, I'm okay with that because I'm, in like a hyper, hyper consistent stage. So there's kind of two ways you could look at it. You know, I could be, it doesn't have to be either of these, but just so you get the example. I could either be 100% consistent and be attentive 80% of the time, or I could be 80% consistent and try to be, you know, present 100% of the time. The chances of me being present every time I do something is not very common. I think that's puts maybe uh, for me, it puts too much pressure on myself to do that. So I try to, I try to focus more on just like doing the things consistently and being present as much as I can. And uh, that's what seems to work well for me. I'm, I'm sure you could shoot some holes in that, but I really think that that's what works well for me. And I think that's where discipline comes in, right? You're not, I don't know that you're always going to feel super engaged in every like single thing you do like that's fucking kind of crazy i think 
we can learn to be more intentional without being always being intentional about every single thing we do. I think we're, again, we're, we're pretty soft as a society, as a whole. So doing things that can help us get a little bit more disciplined and a little bit more engaged and a little less dependent on things that we're addicted to. And I mean, we're all pretty much addicted to the exact same things. Like I know that if I started taking way more drugs, like I would be a drug addict. I have no doubt about that. And um, fuck, I used to basically be an alcoholic when I was younger. Not, not too far from that, thinking about drinking almost every day and uh, still doing other stuff, still exercising and being social and playing sports and all that. But at one point, we used to drink a couple times a week for like a few years, I think. So there's lots of, uh, I know there's lots of people that hear that and can relate to that, but I, like that is, that is addictive behavior and uh, it's, it's not optimal at all. Um, social media is 100% something I need to mention. There's lots of times where I'm scrolling and uh, I don't want to be scrolling, for instance. So there's lots of ways you can go about changing that, but that's 100% something worth noting. Foods, food, you know, a lot of us are addicted to different foods, some more than others, some more types of foods than others. You know, sometimes it's a habit, sometimes it's a behavior, sometimes it's the emotion with that. Like addiction is not something that I'm trained in. I think it's pretty complicated, but it's really common. So yeah, whether it's like a substance or food or a feeling or, I mean, there's also the addiction around um, um, like needing to be perfect with food. Um, what do they call it? Orthorexia, I think. It's like needing to like, yeah, essentially be like counting everything perfectly. I, I The example I use is counting almonds because I worked at a gym uh, quite a while ago and there was a lot of, um, there's a lot of people doing um, fitness shows and bodybuilding shows and bikini shows. And obviously they need to get super dialed in. And I definitely can see the amount of work ethic and discipline that is involved in something like that. And I also saw, you know, I also saw the, the counting of the almonds as something that is 100% not a, uh, not a healthy approach. So for general, again, for general population, not a very good route to go for someone that uh, is pretty aware of the extreme side of it. I think that's, that would be pretty important. Some people come out of those competitions unscathed and some people come out of those competitions scathed and like they have hormonal issues and they don't feel very good mentally. And I think that's a lot of work. So I've never done a show like that. And I'm not a bodybuilding coach or, and I'm not the kind of coach that's going to prep you well for a, for a physique competition. But just in my experience, I've seen lots of people like that counting the almonds and it's, it's not a, it's not a healthy relationship to have. Like, do you really want to, you know, zooming back out, like, do, do you really want to be the kind of person that has to be a hundred percent on, or they don't feel good about what they're doing? I, I know I don't. And that's why I've set my, set my life up. And I'm, you know, I'm aware of the things that, uh, that I'm, you know, a little bit more obsessive about. And like, there's sort of some grace built into that. So like this, this four, these, I'm just looking at these four goals to these four particular non-negotiables, like they're, they're built in that, like, 
I can do them and I'll be truthful. There have been, um, well, I think there's been one day yesterday when I was sick, I didn't do uh, any of those things. So yesterday was probably the, I think it was probably the first day in the last two months. So that's, I mean, that is so consistent. So 39 out of, or what, a, yeah, 59 out of 60 days, like that is unbelievable. There's no, there was no shame or no guilt or anything of not being able to do that. I thought of it. I thought of like, you know, I'm not doing this, but I certainly didn't think of, you know, any type of negative sabotaging emotions around that. Like there was, there was some other strong priorities and feelings that uh, negated the actual action of those things. So yeah, that's, that's okay. So having some acceptance to not having to be perfect, like you don't have to be perfect. All right. We can learn a lot from kids and slash you do not have to be perfect. If you feel like you have to be perfect, it's, there's probably some other stuff going on. Maybe I'll say that. Well, maybe I just said it. So if you feel like you have to be perfect, zoom out, do some reflection, hire a coach, talk to someone, write these things down and just figure out like, why, like, do, do, do I actually have to be perfect? Like, you know, am I feeling the way I want to be? Am I looking the way I want to be? Am I performing the way I want to be with, with less consistency? So is it just in my head? Am I actually like doing well, even if I was, you know, 70% consistent, figure that out. Or maybe there's some other things that are kind of working against you. We're going to leave it at that. Thanks for jumping in on this one. That was a real off the cuff episode. And uh, next week I'm going to have some guests on. So thanks for, thanks for joining. Peace.